0: Today, I'm talking to Molly Huddleston, someone who has probably interviewed at least one of your favorite bands. Since 2011, she's been writing about music, first for Circles and Soundwaves, a blog she created, and more recently for Substream Magazine, with plenty of other outlets along the way. But most of this discussion centers around her brand new book, I Told You I Hated New York. This compilation encapsulates a nine-year period, and highlights her journey of self-discovery and growth. Journal entries are interspersed with previously published articles on music, life, and where they intersect, with a bit of poetry for good measure. Please enjoy this conversation, and check out not just I Told You I Hated New York, but all the great stuff Molly is doing. you kind of start the book by talking about like your love of Harry Potter and Mm -hmm. um and like writing fiction and like how you started out doing that um and I'm curious about like just like the roots of that of like the love of storytelling and also um like the transition into music and how that happened
2: yeah sure um I mean it happened you know I I always was like a big reader when I was a kid um but I Yes, the Harry Potter series, and and you know, I'll state I'm aware of you know recent comments J.K. Rowling has made, and this story, and the whole book was put together before all of that uh, mm. came out. But I, you know, that that's not anything that I endorse. I don't support transphobia. Um, but yeah, growing up, I mean, I think to me, like Harry Potter, the whole series, it was so fascinating because it was like. You know it was this like fantastical magical story but it also had all these elements of like being a kid and not feeling not being sure if you fit in and romance and crushes and you know being stressed out by schoolwork and i guess that kind of just sparked something within me um there was a lot of fan fiction over the
1: years <laughs> was
2: how the the fiction thing started um and As I got into music, you know, at first it was like, okay, I, I I always thought music journalism was really cool. Um, but like at first I got into music and, you know, probably eighth grade, like I got into Good Charlotte. That was, you know, like the band for me still is, um, (laughs) like sixth grade. And like by eighth grade, I was just, I was discovering other bands like Green Day and Yellow Card and Simple Plan and Blinkwood too. Um. And I don't know, I started like paying attention to song lyrics and kind of wondering what the stories were behind them. And that got me just on a whole spiral of reading a whole lot of band interviews and record reviews and deciding that was the coolest thing in the world. Um, And I had a few like kind of failed attempts at blogging, like stuff that lasted like maybe two weeks or something. like, literally, like, two weeks. Like, one of them was, like, a five days, and one lasted, like, two weeks. Uh, and then sophomore year in college, I took a class called History of Rock and Roll. <laughs> and, it, it, like, it was an elective for me, you know? But I took that class, and I was like, holy shit, I actually really enjoy writing about music. Um, and, you know, one of our assignments was we had to interview someone. So I interviewed a singer-songwriter friend of mine. And I finished that class uh, April 2011, and basically I wasn't done writing about music, and I figured nobody would hire me without, like, prior actual journalistic experience, and I didn't know anyone, you know, I didn't know other bloggers or anything at all, so I started Circles and sound waves. <laughs>
0: <laughs> awesome, yeah, and, and you kind of, like, had mentioned all, like, the part of what drew you into Harry Potter were like the, the themes um, like surrounding the world. And yeah. you kind of, it's interesting because I feel like you brought a lot of those similar themes into like this book, even though it's like nonfiction. Yeah, And I'm curious about how, that and how you kind of like developed that um, like personal writing style.
2: Well, thank you for noticing that. Uh, Cause I tried to do that. You know, it was important to me that the book kind of showed like my journey, I guess. (laughs) Um, You know, not just, like, career-wise, but kind of how that intertwines with who I am, like, as an individual. Um, In terms of a personal writing style, I mean, a lot of it, a lot of the stuff in the book was written, if not in the moment. Like, some of it was written literally whipping my phone out in the moment as something's (laughs) happening, jotting stuff down on my phone. You know, a lot of it was written you know, that night at, you know, I get home from a show in college, and it's 1am, but I just can't sleep. So I just write, you know, I just kind of like, spill my feelings out. Mm -hmm. Um, The poetry thing was something, you know, because there's a couple poems in there. And that was something that I I would say was like, generally more in the recent few years. Mm -hmm. But it's, I don't know, I think it was feeling like I had certain thoughts and feelings and experiences and that was how I wanted to share them like that those experiences and those stories were best told in poetry form does that make sense
0: yeah definitely oh uh, it's really interesting like you mentioned kind of like wanting to show the like your journey and the, exactly. like the kind of growth throughout it, it is, I I like that it was kind of like chronological, that it is chronological like that. And you do kind of like get to see that along the way for sure.
2: Exactly. And that was, that was important to me, you know, that it was chronological. And like, I had some ideas that were like, okay, well maybe I do like one or two pieces from each year and make it like a stricter thing like that. But yeah, I wanted to show, I wanted to show that it was chronological because I think, kind of an overarching theme of the book is sort of self growth, I guess. Mm-hmm. And to me, like looking at things chronologically is like a really important way to do that.
0: Yeah, for sure. And, and as far as like putting the book together, how did you kind of like comb through everything? And <laughs> um, like how much of it did you have in mind beforehand? And how much of it did you kind of like discover along the way?
2: So the the title poem, um, the poem I ha- I told you I hated New York, that one, I mean... As soon as I wrote that in the fall of 2018, I was like, okay, if I ever do a book like this, that's going to be the title and sort of the centerpiece in a way. (laughs) Um, There were a few pieces that, you know, like the coffee grinder piece kind of relates to that in a way. And so I was like, okay, we'll have to put that in there. Um, But really, it was just sitting at my computer and scrolling through old journals and old like private tumblr posts and (laughs) scrolling through and reading through stuff over several weeks uh you know and going through all those archives and you know i had i had lists and lists and lists um and then i kind of whittled it down based on i guess what i felt best represented like experiences i wanted to show in the book Mm-hmm. you know like i i i have the piece get off the stage uh which talks about in a way talks about like body image mm-hmm. um and then later in the book i have the piece about the free throw album that also talks about body image but kind of in in a way that i think shows a lot of at least like self awareness and like you know a different way of looking at it so like mm-hmm. i felt like it was important to have those two pieces that kind of showcased each other um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So just, just wanting to like represent different periods, but it was, it was a fun process looking through a lot of old stuff from over the years.
0: For sure. Yeah. And was it like, did those themes kind of start to like the connections between the pieces? Did you kind of like realize that they were going to be there from the start or did they kind of like pop out to you as you were, you know, recounting like everything that you were going through?
2: Um. I mean some of them like you know I mentioned the the title poem and the coffee grinder piece like those I had written about the same situation so that was like a very obvious kind of connection but I think some of them like the the connection sort of developed and I saw it more as I put things together like you know kind of starting off talking a lot about local music and then how it evolved into other things I did and and but I still have like that that love and that ties to things locally so yeah I guess it was a mix you know some Mm -hmm. some of the connections were like pretty obvious to me and some of them I think developed a little a little later on in the process
0: Mm -hmm. yeah and you mentioned um kind of like how a lot of the stuff was you know like private blog posts or like journal entries and stuff like that um so how was that how like is the writing process for you I mean I know you mentioned a lot of it's kind of like in the moment but I'm curious like Mm how I I feel like they fit very well into like the kind of like anthology style kind of like article style and like so how did that kind of is that like always how you've written or is that kind of like were they somewhat adapted or anything for the book
2: I mean, there were, you know, the only edits that I really made, you know, obviously, like, I checked things over for grammar, punctuation, spelling, and, you know, in the case of, like, there were one or two instances where I was like, okay, you know, I mentioned, like, a personal detail about someone else that, for the sake of their privacy, I'm gonna remove. Mm -hmm. Um, But, I mean, the, the format of stuff, no, I didn't change. It just, you know, I tend to, like, like a lot of these pieces, I would kind of take notes on, like notes throughout the night on my phone or whatever, <laughs> and then get back either late that night or the next day and just write and, and spill it out and no filter <laughs> essentially, <laughs> but no, in ter- like, you know, obviously there were like minor edits here and there, Um but no, in terms of like the format of the pieces, nothing was changed, and that was also important to me, right, because I wanted it to feel very, genuine not just to who I am now but to who I was as I was experiencing everything that I talk about in the book
1: yeah
0: and you, you I mean just mentioned like the idea of like taking notes down kind of which I feel like sounds more like a, you know like your typical school thing like oh writing down yeah. an outline before you get your first draft uh sure. like, where's that kind of like drive to write in that way like come from for you
2: just a need to say it um I watched, I actually saw this YouTube video a few weeks ago that kind of hit a little too close to home, but this YouTube video basically said that, like, all, or a lot of people who write do it because they are just trying to connect with people, Um, and for me, like, uh, writing stuff like this is, if not how I connect with people, like, how I process my thoughts, Mm -hmm. um, and it's just such a, like, need to do it that, I don't know, I I guess I'm like, okay, I want to remember things, and they might seem like a small detail, but, like, I want to get it down because it's important to me. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, and as someone who's, like, you know, talked to so many artists and done so many interviews, um, do you find, like, parallels between, like, that drive for you and, um, like, the drive for others to, like, make music?
2: Oh, that's a good question. I, you know, what i found really cool is that a lot of musicians and i've interviewed like hundreds of musicians um which is like an insane thing to say um (laughs) a lot of you know they all have kind of different processes right uh you know some people are very in the moment or a band is like okay we hash out this song in 30 minutes and like we'll work out the kinks later some some people are more methodical but I do find it, like, I find it really interesting to to learn about, you know, the writing process. Not just, like, what inspired something, but, yeah, like, the, the writing process and how does something go from, like, an idea of this is a thing I want to talk about in a song or this is the thing I want to express in a piece of writing. How do you go from that to, like, a finished piece of work?
0: Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, yeah, that's definitely something that always interests me. And I feel like sometimes it almost gets, like, redundant asking that to like so many different people but there's always such a different answer that at the same time it's like they haven't heard all the other interviews you've done
2: (laughs) yeah exactly and it's like you know I for many years I would ask every artist I interviewed how do you respond to haters Um, and I asked that question of so many different people and I got so many different answers so Mm -hmm. many different answers Um, and you know after a point I was like okay I don't want to make this like a default thing anymore. I just decided to, but yeah, like, I don't know. So, sometimes like a good question is a good question, even if it's something you can ask a bunch of people.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And uh, so I guess I'll flip it around on you and ask, how do you, how have you responded to haters either in life or uh, th- through like your writing?
2: I mean, some of it's hard, right? Obviously, like, you know, like in, in a piece in the book, I talk about people, you know, saying some very nasty things to me, Um, and it's hard, but, you know, I didn't want to let that stop me from enjoying shows, so I, you know, I kept going to shows. Um, In terms of my writing, I mean, yeah, I got a few, like, anonymous messages on, like, Formspring or something about, (laughs) you know, some interview I did that I guess I, it was a pretty big artist, uh, I'm not gonna say who, but an interview I did, and, like, apparently I had some, like, inaccuracies, and I got some, like, nasty messages um and I I don't respond to those um but you know for people like I mean going way back to like way before I was a music journalist like I never did well in English classes in high school and to me you know those people they didn't maybe they weren't haters but like they super doubted that like I could ever be a writer Hmm. uh And to me, it's like I just continue working hard and doing it. Um, For the most part, though, you know, I I don't like to engage if someone says anything, like, super mean online. But, you know, that's the great thing is you can always delete comments or, like, report posts and stuff, which (laughs) helps, I I guess.
0: (laughs) For sure, yeah. And, I mean, we've been – we've talked about kind of, like, the idea of, like, the growth that you've you've seen in yourself throughout the book. Um, Yeah. How would you say – like, the way you respond to that kind of, like, criticism has changed in, like, the time frame that the book covers?
2: I think, I mean, when I was in college and kind of starting out, you know, I think I took things more to heart, and I think that was because, in a lot of ways, probably I wasn't totally sure of myself yet, Uh, and I wasn't sure of, like, you know, did I have a place in music? Could I ever make a career out of this? So whenever I got, like, criticisms or anything, like, I took it more to heart. Um, now, you know, I, I'm feeling, like, more established in a lot of ways. And so I'm more secure. So, I mean, it doesn't, it still bothers me. Like, it doesn't bother me as much. Definitely not. But, you know, I think being, being more secure and realizing that, like, I don't need to have clout or I don't mm-hmm. need to have so-and-so's approval unless they're the ones that are going to hire me. I don't <laughs> really care about another person's approval. Mm-hmm. Um, And just, you know, realizing like what actually matters. And that was doing, you know, doing great work and, and making relationships and everything.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I, I think that kind of makes sense to hear from you considering the yeah. fact that like, you know, you kind of just went for it and like started circles and sound waves and yeah. like, you know, all that stuff. So I think that's, You know, like I said, that makes a lot of sense to me. (laughs) Cool. Um, And as far as I guess, kind of like switching over more to the positive, um, like a lot of the book kind of deals with, um, like the, the way that like the musical community, like the way what you found in the musical community and the way that it like has made Mm -hmm. you feel and um, like improved your life and stuff. So uh, I was wondering, could you talk like about that and kind of like how just how it's, you know, changed who you are as a person?
2: Yeah. I mean, I'll say that like when I was in, I mean, really for the most part, like I had a few friends in middle school. I had no friends in high school, (laughs) you know, none, none. (laughs) Like, you know, I had some friends from summer camp, but I was really lonely. Um, and I got bullied and stuff, you know, and I remember being nervous about going to college and you know, frustrated when, like, I encountered some mean people in college at the start, but I found music and, you know, since, I will say that since I've, I've, you know, maybe I have different opinions in some ways since, but, like, you know, finding music for me, A, it was, it was cool to, like, discover so many new bands that there was this whole, like, world that I, I didn't know about <laughs> um, and to know that, like, I had a place that I could go where I could just I could have fun.
1: Mm-hmm. You
2: know, I could do something that people valued, you know, photographing their band, interviewing and stuff. Um on a very real level, it taught me like social skills. Like I, I used to be so scared to go up to strangers and <laughs> interviewing bands you know, it it helped me get really good at having conversations with people. And it's like, oh, shit, I have to go up to someone that is like, at first, they were mostly older than me. And now that's not necessarily true anymore. But when I was 19, most of the people were older than me, um, more successful than me, you know, people I admired, and I would have to like, get them to open up and talk about things that maybe they hadn't talked about before. Um, And of course, that's, you know. Nerve-wracking when you start, but then I realized I was pretty good at it, and that gave me a lot of self-confidence. and And it led to, you know, it, even when I started working with PETA a few years, you know, when I was kind of finishing up college, <laughs> I had the confidence to approach strangers at a concert and talk about PETA. Um, <laughs> so it gave me a lot of a lot of confidence and the ability to have a good conversation. And in some ways, friends, you know, but a lot of my friends still are people that I've met through music, even if they don't work in the industry, people that I know from, like, shows, <laughs> um, but it, it, you know, gave me the knowing that there was a place I could, you know, kind of belong or be myself, and the, you know, the realization that, like, I I don't need anyone, eventually, the realization that I don't need anyone's, like, clout or support or whatever, that <laughs> I, I can kind of do my own thing, even if not quote unquote cool
1: yeah
0: for sure and and you kind of like mentioned the, the way you're talking is kind of like um the like burst of discovery and like the music writing yeah. kind of went hand in hand can oh, can yeah. you tell, talk a little bit about like that and how that kind came, came together for you
2: yeah I mean well in terms of discoveries so like summer 2011 when I was like really getting into music uh that was when Spotify came to the U.S. So that was a very good time to get started as a music writer because it was like, holy shit, I can listen to anything. Oh my God, this is so cool. Um, And first, I it started by, you know, wanting to see this local band that I had met outside of some other show I was going to and then finding out what other local bands they were playing with. And then, okay, this local band is like opening up for, Transit, you know, I saw Transit in like 2011. That was one of the first shows I shot. Um, actually, tra- Transit was like the first touring band I shot. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I went there because a local band I had started to become friends with was opening. Uh, and, and then from there, it's like, okay, you see Transit and you find Man Overboard, and you know, you you see what other bands like who they're touring. And, oh, this band is on this label, and, and this band is on that label. and you know sometimes it's in latter years definitely recommendations have from friends have become more but I think at first it was a lot of just like okay who's on what label and like who who is playing shows with who starting out that Mm -hmm.
0: yeah and and you were talking like it's really interesting to me like you mentioned Spotify and then you also mentioned like the local bands and um, like that happening so organically in that way, like yeah. what would you say played like a bigger role for you, like the internet or like real life?
2: I think at first, real life um, for music discovery, especially in terms of like kind of the pop punk and emo and alt scene, real life and friends and and stuff like that. Um, in recent years, I've definitely discovered a lot of stuff through through Spotify as I've gotten more excited about like the curated playlists and and things like
0: that and as far as like um like the personal growth that we've been talking about and your growth as like a music journalist uh how would you compare like the two the like internet versus real life
2: um I think real life you know obviously it's nice when there's like clout on the internet but (laughs) you know in in terms of like growing as a music journalist I mean, I will say that, like, as I've kind of become more confident and sure of myself as, and comfortable with myself as a person, I felt more okay with, like, saying what I want to say about an artist and writing about the artist I want to write about, right? Mm-hmm. Um, So that that has been huge. And it's just a lot of, with that, it's just doing a lot of interviews and a lot of stories and a lot of reviews and just doing it and and trying to, like, you know, dissect what I've done, what worked, and what didn't, and and like trying to fix those things, right? Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of the personal growth, I think it's definitely real life, you know. And obviously, like I said, uh, you know, music journalism and finding that was huge, but you know, it it was a lot of other things too, you know, getting professional help, you know, for mental health over the years, and surrounding myself with people who Are good people and who care about me and who are, you know, going to be in my corner. I think has been huge, but you know, a lot of it I think has just been knowing that knowing that I can exist. This is going to be like I guess pretty pretty deep, but just (laughs) learning that I can exist in the world and like regardless of whatever I'm doing or whatever my job title is or what you know whatever money I'm making that like I still have value as a person (laughs) outside of my day job or my music journalism or anything so definitely like in terms of my personal growth definitely real life
0: yeah and i think that was kind of something you especially hit on on like like towards the end of the book just Mm -hmm. kind of like as you're wrapping up circles and sound waves and like preparing to like leave substream um so how has that like journey been for you kind of figuring out how to define yourself outside of those things
2: yeah i mean Leaving circles and sound waves or ending that, um, it was like nerve wracking, but I was kind of like, okay, you know, like I did this and I, but I, I was like excited to kind of, you know, be focusing on Substream and whatever other freelance things. Leaving Substream, I would say was much weirder because for the first time in eight and a half years, I didn't just have an outlet that I was writing for all the time (laughs) um and it's it it, you know it's been weird and and it's like oh my god I have all this like space in my brain to think about other things (laughs) uh you know it's been weird and it's you know I in the few weeks uh because so in October I interviewed the early November and I was kind of waiting to hear back about this simple plan interview but it wasn't confirmed yet so there was like kind of a two-week period where I just felt like I was in the biggest limbo and I baked like four different kinds of bread (laughs) so I was just like all right I just need to like be doing something um and and, you know meanwhile I was working on the book and getting the book together (laughs) um I mean it has been weird you know and I I have one freelance piece which was an interview with Kevin from Walk the Moon which was absolutely insane <laughs> that went up last week like that was insane i uh, you know i i love walk the moon um where like one of my absolute favorites you know and i'm i'm doing a youtube channel um but that has been like for fun <laughs> you know and i'm like really trying to approach that as this is my thing i'm doing for fun i'm not at least right now i'm not treating that like a serious thing or like a career potential <laughs> um and it has been it has been weird. And I'm not gonna say it it hasn't been weird, but you know, it's been good, I I would say. Mm-hmm. Um it's definitely weird though, because it's like I I still think of myself as like a music journalist and I hope to do it more, but I'm kind of figuring out like what role freelancing is gonna play in my life, mm-hmm. I think.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think that makes a lot of sense. Um and as far as like kind of like when you made the decision to make those changes, um, what were kind of like the factors that went into that for you?
2: Sure. Um, so when I was ending circles and sound waves, I mean, 2017, I had a very crazy year. I had knee surgery. I, for a while was working two jobs. I was working for PETA and then then I was working, uh, my current full-time job in video promo. Uh, and I was doing a podcast for a minute, I was going to physical therapy for my knee several times a week, and I was like working events for PETA, and I was trying to do circles and sound waves stuff, and I had just started at Substream, but I kind of was starting to feel like, okay, I was starting to feel like I had done whatever I was going to do with circles and sound waves, Mm -hmm. Um, and and that was how I felt, but I wrestled with it for a while, because it was probably April 2017 when I first started thinking about that, right? Um, and you know, then it was, I I started thinking about that, like more and more that, you know, towards the end of the, that year. And then January, 2018, I went up to Buffalo to see Pentimento and that felt like a really good kind of closing chapter, I guess, because it was like, this is a band that's meant so much to me and so much to what Circles and Soundwaves was. and it. I don't know I I just I was there and I was at that show and I was like I, I told them and they were the first people I told I was like this is the last thing I'm doing for Circles with Time Waves mm-hmm. and then it was like the next weekend I called Logan like like middle of the afternoon I was like uh I just wanted to tell you just just you know Logan also being from Ohio and also having you know done a similar music blog we've always had that in common so we've always been really close friends so I just called in the middle of the afternoon and I was like, I'm ending circles and sound waves. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I like, you know, I emailed my contributors and then I, I put the post up on the website a couple of days later. Um, mm. Substream was, you know, it's funny cause I think the decision to leave Substream was a little, it, it came quicker. I don't want to say easier cause it wasn't easy. Mm. Um, it, it, you know, last year I did some amazing things. I mean, I think either today or tomorrow, but like this week marks a year since like, I got to go to Atlantic Records and I interviewed Wallows and I interviewed Swimmers (laughs) and they were both like just such great interviews. And we did like little brief photo shoots and it was so cool. I interviewed simple plan last year, right, you know, (laughs) I I did, and I was feeling really great about my writing, and I was making all these relationships with major labels, and, and just feeling so good about my writing, but it was, I mean, it was a lot, you know, I, I felt like I was always doing that, doing that, doing that, you know, and (laughs) it was a lot, Um, and I don't know, it just, it kind of hit me in, like, mid- End September, I was like, I don't I can't do this anymore. And I mm-hmm. still want to do music writing in some way if I can, but you know, I, I just felt like I needed something new. Um and in a way, part of it was because I think I felt like okay, I've done a lot of amazing things at substream, but I was I think I was starting to feel like okay, what's next mm-hmm. for me? Yeah. Um so yeah, and that that was definitely like a more I don't know, it was like an easier decision to come to, but like when I ended circles and sound waves, that was like really emotional. When I left substream, it was kind of like, all right, you know, we're we're this is this is what I need to do, but ending leaving substream felt like more of shit, like who am I? Like what yeah. <laughs> what do I do with my life? What do I do with all my time now? <laughs>
0: For sure. Yeah. I mean, I guess because when you uh, ended Circles and sound waves, you had, kind of had Substream to fill that void. Sure.
2: <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And, and you know, by the time I had announced I was leaving Substream, I was already working on the book. Um, so I had that. And I feel like it kind of didn't really hit me until I had like put this book out. I was like, oh, God. Um, but I don't regret it. You know, it was what I needed to do. And I, you know, like I said, I'm still trying to figure out like what role freelancing is going to play in my life, or, you know, what what I want to do and and how I can still do music writing in some way. But mm-hmm. you know, maybe make some kind of an income from it or or what.
0: Yeah, for sure. I, I think it reminds me a lot of kind of like the process I was going through when I mm-hmm. kind of had a period where I was not writing as much or i like i would have an interview here and there and then take forever to kind of actually get myself to write it and stuff and i was like yeah you know just kind of having that like i know i want this to be part of my life in some way but i need to figure out the way to like best fit it in and lucky for me like the podcast like fit fills that void very well and it's a much different like workflow in a way exactly
2: yeah. And I've, I've thought about, I thought about doing a podcast again. Um, It, it is, it is weird. It, and like, I keep saying that, but it's, it's weird, you know, and it, but in a way, I think it's kind of good for me because I think part of the process for me was like, okay, music writing gave me like a lot of self-worth, right? Because this was something I was good at. So like, how do I find that? Like, not just like, identity but like that worth like that sense of like I'm good at something and I have value in the world like how do I find that <laughs> um so and I don't know if I have an answer to that um but I you know I'm I mean I'm still doing obviously we're doing this and I've have a couple other like press things for the book coming out and I'm gonna keep pushing it and doing reach outs but yeah I, I kind of am like okay like what what do I do <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah no, I definitely feel that I feel like I don't know. You, you kind of need to have that existential crisis every once in a while and then totally. th- things fall back into place soon enough. <laughs>
2: totally. And, and like I said, you know, I, I had that Walk the Moon interview that I got to do that was so cool and, you know, was a thing I got reached out for. Like I was specifically reached out to. Oh, wow. to That's awesome. It was like insane. Like I got this reach out uh, from an organization called I Voted, which uh, basically helps to boost voter turnout by like letting fans into shows for free on election day if you like show a selfie from your polling place um so i'm like what first of all what a great cause for sure and kevin from walk the moon had joined their board and and you know this the emily the woman that runs i voted reached out to me and she was like oh uh walk the moon's label gave me your name because you know (laughs) i had i had reviewed their last record and i was in touch with her about like photo passes and stuff and I was just like, "What? Like what?"
0: <laughs> yeah, talk uh, talk about validation and self worth yeah, there. <laughs>
2: yeah, exactly. Like what? Like that's insane. <laughs> like, <laughs> so I was like, "Holy shit!" Like, thank you. Yes. <laughs> um, and that was insane. And like, I I did that interview in my car, and like I was like I was on my way. I was going down the shore to meet a friend for dinner, and the interview like I would have to basically stop halfway, so I stopped. I pull over in a parking lot and the radio is playing shut up and dance as I'm like pulling up and looking at my notes one last time I'm like all right this is like really good timing
1: for
0: sure
2: (laughs) but it's also and, and not to say that like oh like I have a because there's still so many artists that I love and that I would love to interview but like There's also part of me that's like, okay, like I have kind of interviewed a whole lot of my favorite bands, Mm -hmm. you know, I, Good Charlotte and Simple Plan and Walk the Moon and Yellow Card, and I interviewed Wallows, which was insane, I interviewed Missio, who are a group I love, I interviewed Elon Rubin about the new regime, and and he's in Angels and Airwaves, who I also love, you know, (laughs) Uh, it's so... I I feel like I've done a lot of amazing things, and I don't, I I, I wouldn't say I'm done in any way, but it's like, okay, cool, like, I've I've done some very, very cool things.
0: Yeah, for sure, and I think, um, like, one of the last pieces in the book was kind of, like, saying, like, how, how, how crazy is it that those things that you always, like, dreamed of kind of, like, became routine. Exactly. I think that's something that's, like, really interesting to think about and, like, really awesome, too. <laughs>
2: yeah, and I, I, you know, when I was, so, I had this simple plan thing, the simple plan interview, and I remember thinking, like, I had already started putting the book together, and then the simple plan interview got confirmed, and I was kind of like, okay, I need this, this last piece needs to be about simple plan right like it needs to be about because what what a perfect way to end to end this book right Mm -hmm. Uh, it's my last thing for substream and it's just such a good like things coming full circle kind of moment um and I tried to yeah you know I I wanted to reflect on like not just okay I love this band but doing this thing is really cool Mm
1: -hmm.
0: yeah and I'm curious like how what has the process been for you of kind of like switching back to just being a fan versus like having that kind of like writer mentality even when it's like about music that you love
2: sure I mean and I you know I I still have I think the writer mentality because I think for me the writer mentality is just like who I am right Mm -hmm. like I I think about music and I like to talk about it um I still am like discovering like so many new artists uh I think I told you about Bo Bescoro. I feel like I mentioned him to you at one point, yeah, but like did. he was a recent discovery. Conan Gray was a recent discovery. Um, not an underground artist by any means, but Dua Lipa and Ed Sheeran, I've like gotten into both of those artists like super recently. Um you know, I, I'm still like discovering music all the time, constantly, and I think I always will be. And I feel like music journalism kind of like in a way sort of prompted me to do that, right? Um, but it's been, you know, it's been nice. It's it's fun going to shows and just having fun. But I'm like, like I'm itching to to do a, a good interview. You know, there's some of the people I mentioned just now. I'm like, God, I have so many things I would ask them. You know, <laughs> and and I, I feel like I'm always gonna. Think that you know, mm-hmm. and, and that that's why I started music journalism in the first place was like I had things I like wanted to ask bands, and I had things I wanted to say about music
0: yeah, I definitely um, can relate to that feeling of just yeah. like curiosity
2: I think a lot of people have curiosity, but sometimes people are content with you know satisfying that curiosity by reading an interview and and some sure. people are more prompted to go do the interview. <laughs> Definitely.
0: <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. Uh, and uh, this is kind of just like a mixed bag question, I'm curious, do you have like were, were there any favorite pieces that you just couldn't quite uh fit into the book for some reason for one reason or another?
2: Oh. Um yeah, well one that I kind of that I thought a lot about putting in the book um was there was a piece about Hoderas album First Things First uh which i'm seeing them in like a month and i'm so excited cuz that band is phenomenal um and i i think my title for that article was like it was an op-ed and i said on hodera's first things first and the nuances of being open and honest and i basically start that piece by kind of talking about how i like try to be honest about my mental health but like what does that actually mean mm-hmm. um And I, I, you know, it was a very like personal piece, kind of tying in the music with my feelings and really going into like the nuances of what it actually feels like when you're depressed or when you have anxiety or when you're like trying to get help. Um, (laughs) And I love that piece. Like, I love that piece. And I was like, but it didn't feel like it had kind of like a spot in the narrative of this book, I guess. (laughs) It wasn't so much like, it wasn't so much, like, a moment as, like, okay, like, here's, like, a whole big thing about, like, my mental, right, Mm. um, so it was, like, a really strong piece, and it's something I'm still really proud of, um, it just didn't fit in the book.
0: Yeah, I think that's kind of interesting because it kind of goes back to what we're talking about at the beginning about, like, the value that you place on, like, storytelling and yeah, um, stuff like that, so that's, I think it, makes a lot of sense considering that stuff
2: exactly exactly
0: (laughs) Um, and then the last thing that i always like to ask people is either just for um kind of like a piece of advice or something you've been thinking about um about like music or life or just whatever you kind of last thoughts you want to share
2: Ooh. um i would say that if you want to write just write and get off twitter And stop reading articles telling you how to write and just stop watching YouTube videos that tell you how to write and stop listening to podcasts that tell you how to write and just write. Just do it, you know, (laughs) Um, because I think you can get, and I can be like this too, that I get very caught up in the, uh, how do I do things? How do I do things? Um, But just, just, um, advice for life be yourself uh, i know that's like piece of advice of all time but i believe in authenticity and that was a big thing from doing this book that i was really authentic um mm-hmm. be yourself say say what you feel you need. even if it's not say it with your actions your words and if anyone has a problem with it who cares doesn't matter
0: we have once again reached the end of the episode And this one feels like more of a journey than most. I hope you enjoyed Molly's unique perspective and journey as a fan, a writer, and someone who is always looking to improve and find what comes next. Be sure to check out I Told You I Hated New York. The link to order is in the show notes. It's a quick and fun read with lots to think about and digest. Thanks so much to Molly for taking the time to talk so openly. A special thank you as always to The Alternative for helping to promote the show, Kaylin West of Tiny Stills for the theme song, and Michaela Jane Pointermo for the artwork. You can keep up to date by subscribing to the podcast and following the show on Twitter and Instagram at FlyInTheCallPod. Feel free to email any questions, comments, or other feedback to me at FlyInTheCallPod at gmail.com. Catch you all on the flippity flip.